Every leader has problems. Increasing your leadership intensity won't fix them in a healthy way. You need an increase of clarity. From starting businesses, leading multiple nonprofit organizations, both large and small, and a full family life, Dr. Chris McAllister learned how to shift his thinking to thrive. He will help you order your internal world so you can lead your external world. Welcome to the Site Shift Lead Podcast with Chris McAllister. What's up, gang? Welcome to the show, the podcast, uh, the place that is so much fun for me. Glad you're here and listening. And if you guys would welcome, please, with just crazy applause. Well, keep hands on the wheel, whatever you need to do. Uh, I got my buddy David back on the podcast with me. David Sherry, welcome to the show, man. So happy to be here. Dude, it's so cool because uh, if people are just tuning in, then they don't know. A few episodes ago, you were on, and we got to talk a little bit about what uh, SightShift has done and in interacting with you about some stuff it's helped with with your company. Uh, today's a little different. Before we get into that, I need to say thanks because your uh, one of your recent book recommendations to me, A Beautiful Constraint, loved it. Yeah, it's it's good to hear, man. I mean, you've recommended so many good books to me, so I, I'm trying to return the favor these days. But that book was interesting because I, I'm not sure if I connected with even just the format. It's kind of a, a bigger book. It's almost like uh, a picture book in a way. But uh, yeah, I knew it was something you'd really like. I tell you, I, I resonated so much with it. Um, I heard Brian Clark from um, Copy Blogger on his Unemployable podcast. Uh, it's like one of the few books I've heard him mention in that newer show that he started. And I get why people gloss over what I think is the hugest or the biggest part, hugest part, uh, the biggest part, this idea of mental contrasting. And that's why I resonated with the book so much. Definitely jammed with Sight Shift, but what it's like to picture the best and the worst happening. Because so many people misunderstand like what they think visualization is. You just picture the best thing happening to you and uh, then you're tied up in that result. So what's it mean to not be tied to the result, to know it, to know that you stay the same, whether it goes good or bad, to show up with your best self. So big takeaway, the number of times in coaching meetings I've turned my laptop around and showed them a quote from that book is getting ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how you start seeing those making rounds too. You start seeing it popping up other places like you were talking about with the copy blogger as well. Yeah, good stuff spreads. Well, speaking of that, one of the things that you have helped me see is uh, the power of just when I'm asked questions and to help reduce down parts of site shift to help people the most in a truncated format. And it's like I'm at my best with that. So you've helped with that, and uh, we've had Adam on here. He's helped with a similar feel, and I love that. And you're putting me on the hot seat for this episode because you've got some questions. I don't even know what they are. No BS. Uh, you know. So let's jump into it, man. Sure, sure. Yeah, so kind of in, in keeping with the theme of just coaching and constantly figuring out how to improve. I mean, that's why I keep you know, spending time with you is because I'm always trying to figure out how do I take my game and, and bring it to the next level. So what I'm kind of curious about is, is the side of it, which is f- learning about yourself and seeing the change happen. So what I'm curious about is when do you know that your life has actually changed? Like at what point, maybe for you or in, in seeing others, when do you know that all this work is worth it and that you've actually changed? Because 
I know for me, it's really tough to understand how much progress I've made. Um, so that, that's the question. Yeah. When do you know that your life has changed? Mm, that's an awesome question. Nobody has ever asked that. I've never thought about it, uh, which is why I love this format because it, the, it, it immediately popped into my mind a story where I'm in the kitchen and one of the kids spilled something. And my response was, that's okay. Accidents happen. Um, that would not have been my response seven years ago. Maybe not two years ago, but it's been a process of change that's been unfolding. And for any listeners that have been on the journey of the show, then they know the first 12 episodes, I go a ton into that uh, journey. Uh, On the way to get home to set up to record this, I got off the phone with somebody who's helping with the next book. And she's got other stuff going on in her personal life. And I said, listen, if you've got to drop the project to hang with some friends because of some stuff with personal life, drop the project, hang. I'd rather have you relaxed and having fun on the project and us be a month later than we plan on being. Um, I believe in deadlines. I believe in like saying, let's go after this, but that's how we can recognize where it needs to change. And Chris seven years ago would have been like, let's hit the deadline. Just stay up later. Um, I still would have been nice. I would have worded it smooth, but I wouldn't have really meant that because I didn't appreciate the dynamic of bringing who you are in a relaxed, fun way to what you do. So both of those stories pop in my mind. So I think the answer is when a surprise, this is how you know a change uh, has occurred. When, When a surprise happens to you, and your response surprises you. <laughs> uh, you go, oh, I didn't know that was in me. Like that's a change. And that takes so much time because we forget we're constantly moving backward and forward and change. And, uh, you know, for every two times we leave a bad situation and get awareness on it, eight times we miss it. And then it's eight times of awareness and we're only missing it two times. And then later on down the road, we're stopping ourselves in the middle of the self-sabotaging behavior. And later on down the road, we never ramp up into the behavior or we never withdraw into the behavior. So transformation is slow. But when you get surprised and the reaction surprises you, you know something has taken root in you. Well, it's, it's interesting that we talked about the beautiful constraint at the beginning of this because it sounds like it's in the contrast. So it's the contrast of, of seeing the way you would have acted previously to the way you'd act now. And and how long does it take for people to to feel like they've actually changed, or is it just such an ongoing process that there's never a "I made it" moment? Yeah, for me, uh, it, it's it's shrinking it down into smaller and smaller moments. So there's never an "I made it" moment because, like six seven years ago, I punch a door and I'm like, "Whoa, I'm stressed out. Something's happening. Uh, I need to pay attention to that." You know, a couple years later, I'm working a lot more on not ramping up into an aggressive tone. A couple years later, I'm noticing it on my face. A couple, about a year later, I'm recognizing it in an elevated heart rate. So that keeps going smaller and smaller and smaller. And I don't see how there could be an end. It feels like some kind of inception type uh, interstellar infinity quest where you you can't you can't wear out the exploration of that. So there's always room to grow, which is why a lot of people get frustrated though. Cause they're like, Oh my gosh, I feel like I've made so much progress. 
and now this happened, well, you're probably in a new experience or a new responsibility or a new role, and now you've got new opportunities to shrink that circle back down of awareness into the smallest of moments. So, so being that you're kind of recognizing this progress, how important is it for people to track their progress? Like I know, you know certain people who are on a diet might weigh themselves every day. Is there an equivalent for a sight shift where it's somehow tracking your progress? Or is that, is that just you know, in your own head and just in the moment? Or are you, are you writing these things down? Uh, that's a great question. For me, because uh, I've never thought about that, but I would say real quick, uh, it's how you relate to results. So some people need the results because it's the small baby steps. It's the little wins that they need to feel as cascading momentum, which is where a lot of writing around productivity and habits and, and building momentum with habits goes into. What it overlooks are some people, because of their fear and wiring, and you could go back and listen to the second episode on fears, uh, the results scream too loud. And they need to be more in the moment and do what they feel. So for a person like me, really driven by if I don't perform, I'm not worthy, I can get to tracking the results and get crazy with it. Um, I need to be more in the moment noticing. And so it just depends on the person. If they need to write it down and be like, look, I, you know, in seven arguments this month, there were only two where I resorted into powering up, improving, or hiding track that. That's awesome data to have. Um, For me, I can get too wrapped up in it. Definitely. Cool, man. Well, thanks so much. I love that. Freaking haven't thought about those things. (laughs) That's awesome, man. Awesome. Well, I have a a second question if you want to, if you want to jump into that. Let's do it. So I think this is particularly something that I think about because I find that managing just energy and motivation is something that I'm just constantly kind of battling. And so I'm kind of curious, like, how can I, as someone who maybe wakes up feeling like I, I don't want to get anything done that day or feeling like I want to hit the snooze alarm, how can I motivate myself to work hard? How do I, how do I train myself to, to stay motivated or, yeah, just keep, keep an intensity in my work every day so that I can achieve the things I want to achieve? Yeah, I love that. Um, for me, it's about understanding the difference between motivation and hype. And it seems like this has been coming up lately a lot. And I think it's um, where a lot of people struggle. Uh, So you put the headphones on and you go, I got to get this done. And you hype yourself into it. Is that something that you would be happy to do on a 4th of July holiday weekend for those in the States? You know, whatever an international holiday would be. Um, I feel like I have state American biased holidays, but, uh, but whatever that holiday is, would you really feel great about doing that work? Um, and that sounds crazy to people that have not tasted that feeling, but I can tell you that I've felt it and I have uh, three daughters, love being with my family, love hanging with them, love playing with friends. But when you hit that overlap of this is what I do, that's like magical and this is what I do that's like play. And this is what I do that it comes out of my pain and helps others. And you get to the overlap of those three circles. It, it's a feeling where you put your head on the pillow. You're like, thank you that I get to do this. Like, this is an amazing thing. And not that all of every day is going to be like that. I mean, we help people build their schedules for the week. It's just acknowledging that there's crap that goes in the week that you got to take care of. But if you can move 
as much of your day towards that stuff, you're going to be more activated. So I love waking up, sweat, meditate, create. Yesterday morning, I had about three chapters that needed to be edited for two uh, book projects we're working on. And I love the result of getting a book out. Um, I don't necessarily love the work to get it out, but I love the feeling of it being out. It's like there is a brick wall. We built that. Um, so I woke up and I didn't go to the gym and I hit editing at like 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. And that was my favorite part of yesterday. Uh, and I don't mean that towards a negative way towards coaching calls that I had because I love those and those are a blast. Um, but I just happened to have a little gap that I don't usually and I seized it. And I was so excited to get started on that. So it's looking and be on, being honest and saying, and this is the most direct answer, get brutally honest about what you really want to do. And most people have no idea because they can't strip away the shoulds. They can't strip away the pressure. They can't strip away the investment that they have in that career or that education. Um, I mean, I'm... I've got education that I'm virtually not using uh, up to a doctorate level <laughs> in different fields. It overlaps, but it was breaking away going, I, I'm going to do this. And so for a lot of people, they're so invested in that cultural pressure, the heritage with their families, they can't be honest about this is what I really want to do. Or if they're the boss, and this is crazy, they're not owning the fact that they can make the critical, crazy decisions to align the work with what they think it needs to look like or with what's an unobstructed creative expression of who they are. Um, but it's like, no, that's like if you showed up today at Death of the Stock, like fresh, you walk in, you've been hired, you're the CEO, and the outgoing CEO gave you a majority control of stock what would you do different today walking in that you might be attached to because you're the one that's built it up to this point, right? Um, and so it, it feels like a nebulous answer, getting honest about what you want, but it has concrete reality. Like everybody would make some changes with that kind of thinking, and that reveals growth points to align with what's going to motivate you. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think what's really interesting about it is it sounds like, you know, I think what most people, including myself, try to pursue when they look at motivation or inspiration is how can I tweak my environment to motivate me to get this work done? So how can I find the right seat or get my coffee or my music, like you were saying? And I think what you're saying is that it's not necessarily about the environment that you're currently in. Uh, that might actually be the problem, the environment of what you're doing every day. And so you're saying kind of find find the work that doesn't feel like work. Don't motivate yourself to do uh, work that you're not actually caring about. And so really, if you're having this problem of how do I motivate myself to work hard, it's possible that that's the wrong question. It's really, what should I be working on that doesn't feel like hard work? Totally. Well, it would feel like, it may feel like hard work, but you want to do it. Yeah. Uh, like, so I don't love going to the gym and doing weights, uh, and I could skip that and hit the sauna. I love trail running. So I don't have to motivate myself for that hard work. Um, and, and that's the thing. Like, most people haven't experimented with it. There may be people that would hate trail running, but would love going to the gym. Um, and if we don't figure those things out, here's what happens. Setting up your office just becomes a distraction from the real hard work 
uh, you know, and there's things every day that maybe just are a little bit uh, ominous in our brain, like, oh, that's painful, that's hard, uh, I don't want to do that. If we can love growing and stretching and getting to the edge of our abilities, we're going to do those things. Uh, but the bulk of our day, if we're not figuring out, and this isn't like crazy BS, even for people that are in layered corporate environments with tens of thousands of employees, you know, figure out how to have conversations with people above you and around you so that you can get into that space. You're going to deliver at the highest uh, level, specifically for those in like the startup world. It's just a lie that we believe that. Uh, we got to get it all done on our own. There's so many things you can outsource to now. Um, and, you know, I remember when I was working on a dissertation, my books were trashed. Uh, they were not in order on, on my shelves. I mean, just crazy. They'd just been thrown up there, uh, which is another hilarious story. Uh, but I remember thinking, I can't finish my dissertation until I get all these books alphabetized and in a, like a library type order. I'm like, no, screw that. I'm not doing it because that's a distraction. I don't have to have the perfect environment. Uh, yesterday when I did that editing, it was at the kitchen table, um, and there was a lot of activity around me, and, um, you know, it worked. I have an ideal office space in my head that I'd love to have at home. I'll have it one day. I don't have it now. But that office space isn't the answer to offset I shouldn't have to push so hard. What am I drawn to do? And you got to remove that pressure of the should to get to that core desire. So for people who are feeling this often, should I use that feeling? Like, let's say it's, you know, seven out of the last 15 days where I'm feeling that way. Is that the, is that kind of the, the barometer for, you know, taking a step back and looking at the work I'm doing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you don't want to have one moment where your flow or your energy is blocked. And we love, as a nation, watching people perform at the highest level of their ability. And so, you know, Serena Williams, the tennis player, nobody is watching her going, I wonder if she can throw a football. Uh, nobody watches Michael Jordan play basketball and says – you know, I wonder how he'd be at center uh, because not only is he playing basketball, but it's specifically in his sweet spot of his role. And we love watching people perform at the highest levels in the sweet spot of who they are. And we watch it because it's amazing, but we won't spend time figuring it out for ourselves. And I, I mean, I can look at myself and say I'm getting closer and closer to that every day. And it's taken over a decade to get there. So sometimes it takes a lot of time aligning different things and developing skills. And it's sometimes it surprises you. It works out in a way that you didn't think it would. You thought you wanted to do this, but you got somewhere else. If you're honest and engage the next step and go, is this coming from who I am? Is this something I want to do? Or is this something I'm forcing on myself? Uh you can walk away from things. I mean, part of my 20s was walking away from things that family and, and tons of time and energy had invested into, and it was a big change. But that's what opened up getting to where I am now. Most people, if they can only take that one right next step, it's going to at least unblock the next one. It takes courage. Keep taking it. You've got to be vulnerable. Uh, but absolutely, I mean, look at tomorrow's tasks and go, what of this is something 
that truly lights me up to do. And I know people say following your passion is cliche, and I get it. It can be cliche. If you really know who you are and what you want to do, it's not cliche. Um, and for awesome. a lot of people, they don't know it. Well, yeah, and maybe we can explore kind of what, what to do to actually find that passion next time. But it sounds like this is really about the awareness. And what, what I kind of learned today was that if you're asking yourself that question too often or if you're feeling that way too often, well, that's the awareness to go kind of pursue uh, a, separate, a separate passion, essentially, or find something else to do. And, and we can maybe get into on the next uh, show ways to figure that out for yourself. Because I know I mean, myself, friends, other people I've talked to have had a problem kind of figuring that out. Yeah. Well, so this is kind of like the awareness. Huge. Awareness is huge. I would just say you, you can't maybe quit what you're doing. Figure out a way to build in 10 minutes of it into your day. Notice yep. what it feels like. Add more, add more, add more. Uh, awesome, man. David, thanks for being great. here. Anything for you yeah. in closing? No, that's all great. I think that already uh, changed my perspective on just that question in general and kind of makes me step back and, and see that that's maybe the wrong thing to be asking. Dude, stretched by the questions. Love it. Everybody, thanks for being here for the show. So glad to have you here. Peace. This has been The Sight Shift, lead podcast with Chris McAllister. Thank you for listening.